Welcome back to the BA podcast. Um, kind of a history marker in the BA podcast. We're actually uh, recording one via Zoom, and it looks like the technology gods are uh, working with us well tonight. We have uh, Ryan Erdman and Kendall Erdman doing this podcast with me, and we kind of wanted to just do a, a trial pod with this Zoom and do a little bit of this new uh, jazz information, this this trade that came through yesterday. It was uh, John Collins getting traded to the Jazz and Rudy Gay in the second round pick going to the Atlanta Hawks. We wanted to talk about that and then just some upcoming uh, trades or free agent rumors that have been coming across the board. So great to have you guys. What's going on? Just living the daily life, working every day and then podcasting at night, I guess, trying to figure out what to do and how to manage my time. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, it's been kind of interesting. You know, the draft kind of comes and and goes and there's a lot of hype and we had a lot of fun uh, kind of picking who we wanted and scallying the, what would we call the, the herd to see who we'd want to be at the next jazz man. And then out of nowhere, Trader Danny just kind of keeps working behind the scenes and and lands a pretty good prospect for us. It costs us some money, but I feel like there's some exciting exciting times ahead. Yeah, um, I'm pretty excited about the deal. I will admit that I have watched about 10 minutes of John Collins' dunk highlights in a row this morning, and then I watched him shoot threes for like, another five minutes so I've definitely been excited watching his highlights the main takeaway with Collins just from a highlight aspect I want to watch some games the guy is a super athlete and he's unique because the Jazz haven't had a lot of like athletic guys like this guy before yeah I agree I think this is a it's a move I don't think we plan on making or maybe Danny planned on making it and you know, especially when the Porzingis, the rumored Porzingis trade fell through. Um, we went to plan B. And ironically, I, uh, months ago, before, it was like, let's see, on January 10th, 2023, there was a report that came out that says the Atlanta Hawks asking price for John Collins is something in the neighborhood of Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell trade packages. So to go from that to, hey, we're going to give you Rudy Gay in a second round pick. And we're going to take John Collins. It tells you that the Jazz do not want to have a long rebuild. They're trying to get key pieces in place, quality, talented pieces in place. And if they're not that, then they're going to move on from them pretty quick until they shape out who the core pieces are to this team as they go forward. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, John Collins, something interesting as well, is he's a Utah native, um, born in Layton, Utah, if you look at this bio. So I don't know how long he lived here or why he was here, but he was actually born here. 25 years old, born September 23rd, one day away from the greatest day, birthday possible on the 22nd. <laughs> but uh, good day. What's that? Yeah, very good day. That's, the 22nd is a very good day. That's right. I, I, I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, really interesting. I, I think we kind of showed our hand and it also makes me think back to the draft where the Jazz really wanted Anthony Black or Amon Thompson or maybe Scoot. They really wanted a point guard because now we find ourselves in a situation where we really don't have 
that piece to the puzzle. We have a handful of big men, um, including Taylor Hendricks, which we'll, we will get to a little bit later. But I just wanted to see what your thoughts are. Um, I mean, Kendall, what do you think of John Collins? What do you know about him? Well, let me tell you, let me let me give you a quick rundown of what I what I know about John Collins real quick. Uh, first of all, he's going into his seventh year uh, in the league, the 2023-24 season. He was drafted in 2017 as the 19th overall pick by the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, shortly after, signed a four-year, 11.06 million dollar rookie contract with them, and then seems like he played it had a pretty good, you know, wasn't rookie of the year, I don't believe. Pretty good uh, rookie season was able to exercise a two point six nine million dollar options for 2019-2020. Then he kind of, I think he kind of got a little too comfortable and get he started getting himself into trouble. Kind of started getting comfortable in the league. Picks up a fine for two thousand dollars for an ejection in an injection in a Denver Atlanta game, and then. Uh, Atlanta in 2019 of October exercises at another $4.13 million option for 2021. So he kind of fell off a little bit there. And then I don't know if you guys remember this, but he got suspended for 25 games and forfeited $610,000. The anti-drug policy in November 5th uh, of 2019. So I completely forgot about that. Yeah. I wonder what what the drug was. Was it like, it's it's got to be like a performance enhancer. Yeah. It was, I think, it was performance enhancing drugs, and so he good. So this guy's willing to cheat to help us win. <laughs> yeah. He found his way into I'm the down. the jaw Morat kind of. You know, I mean, every NBA player seems like, especially, I mean, Atlanta. Let's be honest, it's Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there, and there's a lot of trouble you can get into, and there's just things that he can do, but then. Two years later, after the bubble, I think the bubble might have helped him. He kind of got quiet, probably went back to work, got into the gym, and did somebody – he must have found a mentor or something. And then signs this in August 26, 2021, a five-year, $125 million deal, wow. including 2025 player option. So, dang, man. And all we had to give up was Rudy Gay and a uh, second-round pick. But we are taking on that contract. You know, so that does show, like Ryan to Ryan's point, that the Jazzer went from we're tanking to we can't really tank. We tried to tank, we still win games. So now we have to sit our main players to well, wait a minute. Maybe we want to compete. And this guy seems to be the guy where we're picking up as he's plateauing. We're usually shipping people off as they're plateauing. We're actually bringing somebody in as they're plateauing. So I think the narrative for the Jazz is changing. Well, and I like kind of what you said right before he got that major contract. Um, if you remember, the Atlanta Hawks kind of pulled a little bit of a mini Miami Heat run um, that year before he got paid. Um, the Hawks made it to the Eastern Conference final. They knocked out the 76ers. That was when Ben Simmons uh, failed to, to shoot the wide open layup dunk and the Hawks beat him. Out. And then they got beat out by the bucks i think in six games but that but then collins got that big contract that summer now collins is going to be in a situation where he won't have to find a mentor but he's got to be a mentor to uh taylor hendricks so it's going to be interesting to see how he does as a mentor 
right? He comes in as kind of the the veteran in in a way. I know he's still young. He's 24 years old, 25 years old, I guess, going, you know, actually turns 26 this year, this next year. But that's that's not very old to be leading a team. No, that's a that's a that I mean he should be going into his prime right about now. Yep. What year was his suspension, Kendall? Uh he was suspended in two thousand and what was it? 2019, November 5th, 25 games. I mean, he, he gave up $610,000 out of his two point or his $4.3 million option. So that so maybe was it. in, go ahead. No, you're good. That maybe was in the 2019, 2020 season. As I go down, you know, I thought, I thought he was hurt or something, but you go down his games played and he went rookie season 74, then 61, then 41. So he must've been suspended for 25 that year. The next year, 63, 54, and then last year, 71, uh, which is a really good sign. A lot of players don't play, you know, more than 60 games, and he's done that multiple times throughout his career, and he's coming off of a year where he played 71 games. Something interesting, uh, so earlier this year during the season, I sent Brett a text. I can't remember when, but it was of a game where it showed Trey Young and DeJuante Murray and how much they shoot the ball. And I thought, wow, there were like nine shots in a game or the first three quarters of a game, maybe when I sent it, that were taken by the Atlanta Hawks by players not named Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. So he was on a team where they there was some serious ball dominance. And also I'd call it, you know, the Westbrook selfish stat padding. And I think that ends up being unfortunate. And that's why they couldn't win games when you added those two. Both wanted to be all stars in the same position. And people like John Collins really suffered from it. He had a decline over the last two seasons. He was also in trade rumors over the last two seasons. So I wonder if getting that monkey off his back is going to allow him to return to his old form. Um, he was really a great player early in his career. He was projecting to be one of the, the elite power forwards in the game. I think his second year, per 36, he was averaging 23 points a game and 11 rebounds, 2.4 assists while shooting 34% from three. And effective field goal percentage, I don't know. Actually, I don't have that field goal percentage of 56%. And then the next year, he continued at that pace, and his three-pointers went up to 40% from three. The next year, 40% from three. Then 36, and then this year, 29, which is an abnormal fall-off. I just think that the team didn't build anything around him, and they made life miserable for him. And people weren't finding him in, him in his spots to allow him to be successful. Is that the 2020? 19 2020 season the bubble season um i believe so it is yeah so it, that's it the year he got suspended. Like halfway so that, through the I, year yeah but he he maintained that for two seasons and then his his dip was 36 percent, which is still above average and a really good shooter and then this year 29 percent. so i think danny ainge is on to something with these guys you know the laurie markins of the world that they sit on a team as the third option or fourth option and then they get put in an environment with a coach that allows them to be successful at what they're good at. And it'll be interesting to see if he can just have that significant uptick to go back to his old self. And if that happens, then fans are going to love him. We're going to have Kessler, Laurie Markkinen, John Collins, Taylor Hendricks, Kelly Olenek. We are loaded with big men and very good big men. We just, we really need a guard that can set them up and make things easier for everybody. And I think if we do that, we're a playoff team you know, going from lottery to playoffs pretty easily after selling everyone on the team. I Also, I read something today that says 
if the Jazz don't sign Jordan Clarkson to an extension or if he doesn't play next year for the Jazz, that the longest tenured Jazz man is walking back to so wow. that Danny Ainge overhauled everybody at this point. Wow. So you're talking one year. <laughs> the entire one roster. Jazz, man, two years. Is your... wow. And you want to know what's even more crazy about that? He's actually overhauled like half of a second roster. Because you yeah. think about it, Malik Beasley, half a season, gone. Jared Vanderbilt, gone. Patrick Beverly didn't play a game for us, gone. Like, he's rolling through <laughs> players but with the i think he's just one of the smartest people i uh just to go a little bit more into trader danny i uh maybe ryan you told me this but i i can't remember were you the one telling me that he was pushing for the celtics to trade kevin McHale while he was while trader danny was a player when, when trader danny was a player it's actually not McHale. he was trying to get them to trade larry bird whoa oh okay Towards the tail end of Larry Bird's career, he said he doesn't have anything in the tank. Trade him now and get max value. And the ownership thought he was crazy. And I think they traded Danny. And that's when he went to Portland because he was stirring that up. Because he could see the light was at the end of the tunnel and he's a competitor. You know, played in professional baseball and the NBA. You know, he wants to win. So he he does what it takes. It might have been a couple stories. And because yesterday I was listening to the BS podcast. And Simmons went into talking about how he was trying to get them to trade Mikel after he was like 10 years as a, a veteran and get some younger pieces too. So Trader Danny has always been Trader Danny, even when he was player Danny. <laughs> um, Ryan Russillo, you sent us a, a YouTube clip of him talking on his pod today. And his, I liked what he said because he validated everything I felt about him. And Bill Simmons talked about how they used to knock him in Boston for a while, saying he wasn't a very good GM. And they were really frustrated with him. Even though he won a title with them, they didn't believe he was a very good GM. And he went through some of the picks. And these were my concerns when he came over. His late to mid-round picks were never really good. And they kind of called him out for that. But his recent streak of picking and – I would say over his last four years, he's been a really exceptional GM. And they went into it saying a guy like that can look in the mirror and always believe he has an edge and he has the ability to walk away. Um, and other, I think that scares other GMs because they have pressure from their ownership. If you don't make this a winning team within the next year or two, we're going to fire you. Where Danny Ainge is in a situation right now where his buddy, Ryan Smith, won't go anywhere else. So he has the bandwidth to just walk into any room say, this is what I want. And if they say no, he walks out of the room. And they know they can't play poker with him because he's serious. He doesn't care. I think that gives us a significant advantage when it goes into trades. And that's why during the season, I read that article where they were trying to get a haul like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. He said, tough, I'm not going to give that to you. The new CBA comes out and they find themselves in caps, a cap situation that's not fortunate. And here we are. They do it for Rudy getting a second round pick. So his his ability to be patient and wait for the right deal is what we needed. Whereas our previous um, GM, I think he felt a lot of pressure and he started selling first rounders to move Derek favors and first rounders to do things because he wanted to compete and he depleted all of our assets. I think it's a great thing to finally see a franchise uh, get control back of their team rather than uh, a player run type franchise where everybody can go in and complain and whine and kind of get their way and push their way around the league, you know? And so it's a good thing for uh, Danny Ainge and his background, and it's probably going to set a precedent for the rest of the NBA. Hopefully 
we start seeing it being ran as a business instead of a player's business. Uh, as far as That's trader, such a good point. <laughs> yeah, as far as trader, as far as trader is Danny for me, it's it just goes back to show that what Brett's comment where he was talking about how he's basically traded a secondary team and what it shows is he knows a lot more than meets the eye about a player about a player's development and their potential because he gets rid of Michael Beasley who for the jazz he fit into the system so well he looked like a borderline all-star and like I was saying in the last pod we had he didn't even see the floor for the Lakers so no. and is not an idiot either like, right. I think he's a pretty good coach, but that's how locked in uh, our coach, Will Hardy's uh, plans are to expose these guys and how good they are because Darvin Ham made a lot of coaching um, decisions during the playoffs. So I don't think he's benching Beasley because he's horrible, but like, it just, like you said, Ainge has, has this plan in mind and, He's just – they're letting Ainge cook. Ryan Smith's letting – putting him in the kitchen with Justin Zanuck as his right-hand man, and they're just kicking butt right now. I, I couldn't be more impressed by our management. It's funny. He goes from, like, we we were so against him, like, oh, no, Danny Ainge, he's just going to wreck everybody's team. And then he comes to us and we're skeptical, and he becomes traitor Danny, and now we're looking at him as, like, the godfather <laughs> – of this guy, right here, never against Trader Danny. I was always on Team Trader Danny. <laughs> I was skeptical. I'll admit it. I'm I'm still skeptical on Ryan Smith, but I think that as long as he lets ta- lets Danny cook, we'll be okay. If he tries to intervene and do things where he's like, and he hasn't done that at all. So to his credit, I mean, he was close to Donovan. He was he's close to Clarkson. There's been players you can tell that he likes, and he allows the Trader Danny to trade them and recognize. Conley quite often. Yeah, he did. They were close, and he let him go. And maybe Conley comes back in a year or so as an assistant coach for Hardy. I mean, that would be a good fit on the roster in that capacity when he's past his playing days. Um, I want to kind of move over to another question, though. So what does this mean for Taylor Hendricks? I kind of think we accidentally drafted him. Like, I think we really tried to go get a point guard because we knew we had something like this on the table. And now we got a young player at pick nine who – projects to be really good i mean you go through it his floor is really high and his ceiling is even like really high so he shoots 40 percent from three coming in he's one of the best shooters most one of the most efficient defensive players his measurables are probably better slightly than john collins he's just not as mature and needs to grow into it and have the experience um what do you guys think about that sorry the zoom said we were running out of time i don't know what that means yeah i had to um, as well I don't know what that means. Um, I think for Taylor Hendricks, I mean, he can play guard, right? He can play point guard, can't he? No. You don't think so? No, he's he's a big man. He's a center, power forward, and small forward. I think we can find minutes for him. But (laughs) He's got such a tall frame that his dribble – that's one of his skills that he lacks is dribbling and uh, taking the ball like – one-on-one a little bit but I I mean for Hendrix it allows him develop to develop a little bit slowly and 
maybe not skip. I mean, the Jazz have been talking about how they're not going to skip the process on things and how they're going to let their rookies earn their minutes and earn their job. Hendricks can play summer league. He can fill in and play a few minutes a night early in the season. And as we know, all these people, I mean, our depth looks great right now, but injuries happen all the time. Load management happens all the time. His opportunities should should become available unless Trader Danny's got another trade up his sleeve. So that's what I'm thinking, Brad. I think he's got another trade up his sleeve. I think he's going to find a way to make Hendricks a part of our rotation. I mean, he might not be a starter, but he's probably could come in and be kind of like a six man of the year type of player in the next one to three years. But what that trade is, that remains to be seen. But it he could trade off to try to fill in that point guard position uh, pretty good. Uh, Ryan and I talked a little bit earlier about possibly trading Sexton to to Milwaukee, but I don't know if that really brings back a point guard unless like Bledsoe wants to continue his career and maybe come over in a trade. Maybe an idea I had there just because Bledsoe has got great defense and can run a team, but not full time. If that, if that makes sense. So I think there's a yeah. way spot for him on the jazz. I, I, I think the, the spot will become available. I don't think Danny's going to trade Hendricks unless it's, the exact right trade. Um, but Hendricks is going to have to force Utah to play him by having really good spurts and playing really well and staying healthy. Ryan, do you think that the Jazz would deal Hendricks? I actually think it's going to be similar to the Gobert Cantor deal in a sense where I think they're going to try to get a good feel for when Hendricks is ready. And I think they're going to try to sell Collins again later and put Hendricks in that role because Hendricks is on a rookie deal and they can use all that money to go find the player they really need to complete the roster at that point. So mm-hmm. let's say Luka Doncic becomes available and we've been rumored to want him. He's 40 something million dollars a year. Well, you have to have a contract to move to allow it to happen. So you go through this year, you get Collins back up to where he needs to be, where his value is high again, maybe play the whole season with him next off season when Dallas is in shambles because Kyrie and Luka can't win together and Luca's asking to to be traded. Well, we have a handful of picks. We have salaries that match. We go make that move when we put Doncic with Laurie, with Hendricks, with Kessler, and we trade Collins and whatever other pieces to get the salaries to match. And then we have our core pieces ready to go. And when we're talking right now, we're talking about point guards. But in that scenario, Luca ends up being our point guard, and we you know we build around that, and we still would also still retain some picks from from our trades, especially if Luca asks out. Another thing happened today, and we have about five minutes, six minutes left. Some news just came across right before we started this pod where Talon Horton Tucker opted into his $11 million deal with the Utah Jazz for next season, Agent Rich Paul says. That was reported by Brian Windhorst. That's an interesting thing. I like THT, but I also could see now that he's on the books officially, he becomes a trade asset. Before he opted in, we could not move him. So if there's a player out there that's $27 million similar to Collins and the team's trying to shed that contract and we like that player, we could always put Sexton and Talon Horton Tucker in a package to go give a team that maybe has depth issues two decent role players and go bring back a slightly better player, maybe attach a pick. I like this for a potential Zach Levine deal where they're in a really bad way 
financially because one of their best point guards sounds like it's going to miss the season. So if you can get Levine for those two and offer a couple of picks, then I think we're on our way and we become a quick, quick turnaround team that's ready to compete in the Western Conference for potential title contention. What do you think? So first, first of all, I, I, I was becoming a pretty big fan of Talon Horton Tucker, um, except I was kind of rooting against him last year too, when he dropped 41 points in that one game that helped us win when we needed to lose. <laughs> um, he, he, he's got some potential. He's not quite a distributor. I don't think like we need for all these forwards to feast off of. Um, but you did assign us to look into a Colin Sexton trade. And this is actually a trade created by full time that he sent to me because I sent him an assignment. I said, Hey, make it go on the trade machine for all the things that I know how to do with basketball and sports. I've never once done a trade machine. I don't know how to do it. I I need to take the time to learn, but full time sent me this trade where the jazz were getting Zach Levine we were trading Colin Sexton to the Bucks, and then the Bulls were getting Kelly Olynyk, Grayson Allen, Ochai Abachi, a Jazz first rounder in 25, and a Bucks first rounder in 2029. And it does say that that trade is a success. Do you believe every now, team would say yes in that deal, assuming Chicago is open to moving Levine based on the fact that they really don't have a chance at all to do anything with the roster they have? I don't think the Bucks would trade a first-round pick and Grayson Allen for Colin Sexton. That's probably true. I don't actually think the Bulls would either. So I don't think that trade would happen. It was just kind of a fun one as a talking point. The only reason they would do something like that is if it worked out in a way for the Bucks to shed salary so they can go back and pay Middleton to stay. That's how that would work out. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I, I I don't know. The the point guard thing, I think the Jazz might try to go cheaper at the point guard now that they've that they've uh, got Talon Horton. I, I, I sent you Dennis Schroeder as an idea. Also, possibly Gabe Vincent from Miami might be a possibility. You know, I have a super pick that I really like. And that's uh, he's a free agent, actually. But Kobe White. He's on the Bulls. They're in a situation that doesn't really work with all their guards. He's a six foot five guard. His his numbers every year have gotten better. It's his fourth year. He's on to his new deal. You might be able to sign him to a deal, you know, a four year, $35, 40000000 million deal because he's not super valuable at the moment. And if you can, I worked out a trade where you sent Colin Sexton there. They sent a piece to the Bulls, and the Bulls did a sign and trade with us, and we got Kobe White. So he's six five, fits what we're doing. He's um he's on the cusp of becoming an efficient player, and that's a good sign. Every year he's gotten better as far as efficiency, and that would mean that, you know, by the time he gets here next year, he'd be an efficient point guard to run the team, and he's ready to go, and he fits the timeline. Um, I know we're getting close to the our time limit here, so I just wanted to go through um, our cap situation a little bit. Um, Colin Sexton, I think, is the next contract that must be moved, and – we're not selling like the uh, Atlanta Hawks did, but he's on the books next year for 17 million, then 18 and then 18 again. He has the longest. I have an idea. Go ahead. 
have an idea. I, I, I feel like that there's a play. D'Angelo Russell is a free agent. I think that the court Horton Tucker signing could be a way to move a three team trade. Uh, so we could take on that salary and move out uh, Sexton's salary. I mean, you could probably get D'Angelo Russell maybe to sign for a little less, but you can move. I don't know what the scenario is, but his name keeps popping up in my mind uh, as a point guard that could run the Jazz. It's just a matter of if you can make the money worth it. I think his money would be more worth it than Sexton's money at, at that price just because he's more of a veteran now in the league and has playoff experience. Hey, Brett, do you want to wrap us up really quick? We probably have 20 seconds left. Oh, yeah. Um, well, there is a lot, a lot to be, uh, a lot we're going to find out over the next couple of days. Um, we're counting down the days for the draft, and now we're kind of counting down the days for free agency to begin. We'll see what Jordan Clarkson's going to do. We're still kind of waiting to get that opt-out news. I, I don't think we're going to see anything different. I'd be shocked if he opts in, honestly. But, and then we're going to see, 